Hey guys, I'm Esther, owner of Sarah Design. And I'm Jen, owner of Hello June Creative. Welcome to Better, the brand designer podcast. We're all about broadcasting conversations that support our design community and covering industry secrets and offering actionable advice. Just remember, the only designer you need to be better than is the one you were yesterday. Hey guys, welcome back to Better the Brand Designer podcast. It's me, Jen, coming to you, not live, from my closet. (laughs) I am really, really excited to get my house done so that I can have a real office again. It's been over a year of not having an office space and I usually don't mind. I kind of like switching it up and working in a lot of different places, but any of you guys who have never had an office or like don't currently have one, but you wish you did, it's just, there's something different about being in your own space and being able to decorate. And I actually just sent um, Lauren, um, my editor and producer, and also she wears so many hats in my business. Um, I know that we just recorded an episode about that last week. So um, I guess she's officially my designer and admin assistant part-time. So that's super fun. Um, I sent her a screenshot of, like, I was going to record video for this because I definitely want to do video for the podcast. And I was like, Lauren, look at where I am. It's like dark. You can't see my face. And there's just clothes hanging around me. So I feel like we're going to take a pause on video content until I figure out like what I want, like style a cute corner of my office and have like sound panels and like a poof. I don't know why, but I feel like to be a real podcaster, you have to be podcasting from a poof. I don't know about that, but you guys let me know. So before I dive into this topic, which I'm super excited to talk about today, I'm going to start out with my rose and thorn for the week. I also think it would be so cool if you guys, after you listened to my rose and thorn, took a screenshot of your phone, opened up your Instagram, and you shared this episode. And if you want to link it, you can. Um, Just go ahead and give us a tag at Better Podcast, and you can write out your rose and your thorn for the week. Tag me too at Hello June Creative. The podcast is at Better Podcast. I would love to see what everyone's roses and thorns are for the week. I feel like it's just like refreshing to see like, oh, everyone's having wins, but also there's like things that people are struggling with. So anyways, my rose for this week is that the mini mine retreat happened this past weekend. It's also kind of a thorn that it's over, which is really sad, but it was super fun. Um, we held it in St. Augustine. Lauren flew out to help. It was so much fun to hang out with everyone and just like it was a small group, but like I loved that. I mean, I would have loved if all eight of the mini mind students could have come. Missed you guys that weren't there, but it was just like chill and fun. Like my intention for the group retreat was not like to be like studying or doing workshops the whole time. And don't get me wrong, those types of retreats are really fun, but we just kind of like hung out. We explored St. Augustine. We ate really yummy food. We had a beach day. We had like a slumber party day. Probably my favorite activity that I planned was doing um, in-person vision boarding. So I bought a bunch of magazines and like washi tape, stickers, poster board, tape and glue. And we sat around, we had some wine, we had some candy and we just kind of like cut out little pieces of 
phrases and copy and imagery from the magazines that really just like aligned with our vision for what we wanted our lives and businesses to look like. And it was so fun seeing everyone's vision boards come together. I absolutely want to do that during the retreat next year. I feel like it was such a fun just thing because usually we're all mood boarding digitally and it was kind of nice to like not have the whole internet at our fingertips and just be like actually touching physical pages. So you guys can definitely do a physical vision board, especially like around the end of the year is a great time to do that. Um, but it was really fun to do with everyone in person. So that was my rose for the week. My thorn, oh guys, I'm just tired. I know that that's like, it's always just not very fun to hear that other people are tired, but I feel like I'm experiencing an exhaustion like that only the parent of like a three-year-old can experience. (laughs) I'm sure parents of all ages experience this type of exhaustion. It's like a different exhaustion than like the newborn phase because he's at least like sleeping well at night, but I don't know. I just feel like dude, I'm just tired. (laughs) And I feel like that's okay. I actually just wrote an email, like a Friday email about like this feeling of like letting go of like the shame of feeling burned out, especially if you're a mom in business and like being okay with like, Hey, this is a really intense season. And you know, we don't want anyone to be like depressed or sad or, you know, like experiencing actual, you know, mental health, um, problems or challenges, but I, I found myself feeling really like guilty that I was feeling tired and like low energy and stuff like that. It's not always, it's just like, I don't know. I probably could go to bed a little earlier, (laughs) kind of doing it to myself a little bit, but I just recognize that it's just an intense time period in my life where writer is still really young. I think the fact also that like, it took us a while to find like, um, a preschool for him here is definitely contributing to that. Um, he's going to be starting when he turns three in one month. Um, and he's just going to be doing a couple days a week in the mornings. And I really feel like that will make a big difference, um, for him too. Um, he actually went to a jump park, um, like trampoline park the other day and he was having like a hard time (laughs) asking other kids to play with him, but he was like making friends with all the adults. So maybe that's just like him being like a COVID baby or an only child, (laughs) but I really think preschool will be good for him. But yeah, that's kind of my thorn. I'm just kind of like working through like a little bit of tiredness and, you know, but spirits are high. Things are really happening in the studio, just really cool new opportunities. Um, that I'm really excited about and just kind of trying to figure out like what my project cadence looks like. So that actually leads us into our discussion, our topic for the episode today. This is a topic that was actually requested by one of my mini mind students for a guide in the resource library portion of our circle group for the mini mind. So she was wondering how I kind of broke out of this cycle of feast and famine. I'll go over what that means in a second and moved to being consistently booked out months in advance. And before I go any further, I know that there's this fallacy of like consistency in online business. And I definitely do not want to contribute to that. I don't think there's really anything consistent about running a business in online. You can create consistency out of the chaos, 
by paying yourself less than you can afford every month to ensure that you can hit that salary every single month. Um, You can, just like I'm going to talk about here, book clients out a little bit farther in advance so that their payments are a little bit spread out over um, months instead of being inundated with client work and then having a really slow season, which is what I'm referring to when I talk about a cycle of feast and famine. So um, for me, I mean, a couple years ago, like that would look like a really crazy quarter one where like I would be working on like five, six projects at a time. I remember there was one fall season where I was like, I'm going to take December off. And then I had seven projects like, and I'm not complaining at all about like having clients. Like I remember when I was starting out as a, as a newer designer and I heard people talk about burnout and like overbooking. And I was like, oh, well, I can't even get clients. So like that must be nice to have that problem. But like, I do feel like I kind of approach business still with a little bit of a scarcity mindset where I'm thinking like, oh, if I don't let them start right away, then they like won't book with me and then no one else will come. And I've proven to myself that that's not true, that clients will inquire, referrals will come through, people will find me organically through social media. Um, so that's just something that I'm working on. But yeah, that I, I would I would feast. <laughs> so that that December, I wanted to take that month off and then I was just like really inundated with projects. And then the summertime would typically be really slow for me. Like I remember one May, like I got maybe one inquiry the whole month and then that, they didn't even book a call. They just ghosted. So it's like, awesome. My business is over. Goodbye. Sayonara. Like this is, this is it for me. See you guys later. Like, and then things started picking up again. So I really, really feel and believe that inquiries are so inconsistent. Like I'll get like three in a week and I'll be like balling out. I'm like, heck yeah. Like I'm doing so great. And then like, there'll be like three or four weeks where I like, it'll be crickets or even months. And I'll be like, what am I doing wrong? My marketing is just not working. I feel like you can drive yourself crazy with this whole like cycle thing. And I was just in that space in year four of my business, which is last year in 2022. So I wanted to change something. I wanted to break out of this cycle. I wanted to get to a place where I didn't have to worry about a current project ending and where my next client after that or my next payment was going to be coming from. Um, And I wanted to have more control over my lead generation too. Like I didn't want to be like waiting for people, past clients to refer me. I didn't want to be waiting for people to just find me on happenstance on their For You page on Instagram. Um, I didn't want to feel like I had to sit back and allow the financial health of my business to just be up to other people. Like I wanted to take a more active role in that. Um, And that was really scary because I feel like marketing had just really never been something that I really understood. I mean, I understand the principles of it on a grander scale, but how those principles applied to my company and how I could use my values of true organic connection in my marketing, I just really didn't understand how to put those pieces together. So um, basically, up until that point last year, where I decided I wanted to make a change, referrals were my main lead source. And second main lead source was website footer credit links, which is if you're not putting your footer, your website, if you're not putting your credit in the in the very footer of websites, whether that's an actual 
link like made by Hello June Creative and you link to your website or it just says site credit and you like link to a separate page that has a link to your website, you are missing out on leads. That is one of the reasons why I, even before I started to take marketing into my own hands and lead gen, I was still attracting clients because people were looking at other people's websites and they liked what they saw. They resonated with my style and then they would just go to the bottom of the site. People know to go down to the bottom of the site and look and see who has made the website. I do it. I mean, I'm a designer, but I do it all the time. I'm like, oh, this site is amazing. Who made this? And then it's usually some like giant agency out of New York. And I'm like, okay, awesome. I can't compete with that. (laughs) It might be a little limiting belief, but Um, so I decided to reach out to Ash from the Cheetah Company, Ashley Henry. Um, The Cheetah Company is a social marketing education company, and Ash has 10 plus years of experience in the corporate world on the marketing side. Um, And I worked with her for like a one-to-one in a one-to-one marketing mentorship for six months. Um, she's actually one of my past branding clients, um, which was really, really fun. So we got to kind of like work together on that. And then I hired her and then we did a bit of a brand refresh for her. So we've just kind of like had this really great connection and the women like in her orbit are just some of the nicest, kindest, just most amazing people I've ever met. And so like, it was just really fun, like getting to see her world, share my work with her audience share her with my audience. And this podcast episode is not sponsored at all, guys. She didn't even ask me to do an episode about this. Um, But I just felt like it was so important. And and she played such a major role in me learning some of this stuff that I just had to name drop her a little bit. She was actually on the podcast, if you want to hear directly from her, season five, episode 20, connecting and selling in an organic way on social media. Um, So I recommend giving that one a listen. And then another episode that I recommend about kind of getting back into the visibility game after not really marketing or inconsistently marketing for a while um, with Chaitra Radhakrishna, season six, episode eight, going from zero dollars to six figures post maternity leave. So those two are fantastic if you want a little bit more information just kind of like around this topic. So what were my goals in working with Ashley, but then also like kind of beyond my container with her? I wanted to be more in control of bringing in new leads and the right type of leads when I needed them, not necessarily just waiting for them to come. And I also wanted to lay groundwork for leads consistently finding me through social media due to a really good content calendar, um, content cadence, and strategic content development. So I wanted to actually have a plan when it came to creating content for social media. I knew that leads were finding me through Instagram, which is why I chose to focus on Instagram. I don't recommend Instagram as a blanket solution for every designer because your industry, your niche, your clientele, your audience, they might actually be hanging out in different places. I know about my audience that they use Instagram to actively market their companies. So that's where they're at most often. And people will use the Instagram search to find brand designers because I've talked to many leads um, who have said that they found me just cold through Instagram. And I actually have an inquiry box um, or question box on my inquiry form that asks people how they found me, which I highly recommend. Um, And most people just say through Instagram, it's not like a cold um, referral or it's not, it's not a warm referral anymore. It's actually cold traffic from Instagram, which is amazing because after I kind of implemented the stuff I'm going to talk about today, um, my leads actually shifted from number one lead source being referrals to number one lead source being 
just traffic from Instagram. So um, let's get into it. This is what I worked on with Ash. So we worked on social media, content, and launching. So we sharpened up my positioning. And this is actually one of the first things that I recommend for anyone who is struggling with social media, struggling with content creation, struggling with like who they're talking to and what to say to them. You should work on your positioning. Um, You like your positioning is what makes you unique in your market. And so there's a lot of things that go into that. Branding is part of it. Messaging is part of it. Copy is part of it. Um, I think tagline is really, really important. I um, worked with Rachel from Layer Studio, um, who's a copywriting studio. She is fantastic. She's worked with me on a lot of past clients on my brand messaging. But if you are not like trying to spend a bunch of money on a copywriter right now, you absolutely can do some like positioning and like tagline and messaging exploration on your own. Taglines are short. You don't really, I don't want to say you don't have to have talent to write them because I think that they're actually one of the hardest copywriting pieces to write, but you can do a brainstorming exercise where you just write down a ton of different words that you feel like really align with your company and then see kind of like how they fit together in a short little phrase. For example, my tagline is where color meets class and that just resonates with so many of my clientele. A lot of people say, I've been looking for a designer that just like can really handle color well. And I'm just seeing a lot of black and white or like beige and, you know, like not to say that those styles are not good at all, because there are a lot of clients that don't want to work with a colorful designer that want that like kind of neutral palette. But the types of clients that I wanted to work with, I knew that they were actively looking for someone who had a lot of skill using color. So Um, I updated a bunch of copy pieces on my website. Um, Ash actually recommended adding the word humble into my main positioning statement. And I have actually gotten a lot of feedback from leads saying that they really related to that word. So if I go over to my website, um, above the fold, I have my positioning statement and it says laid back luxury brands for creatives with humble hearts and big visions. And I know, I know, I know everyone says, oh, you need to talk about the value. You need to talk about the ROI. You need to like paint the transformation. I do that later on in my copy, but I just really felt like being super specific about who the person was that was reading that. And if they saw themselves in that, which I know people have because they've actually specifically mentioned that piece of copy when they inquire with me, which is how I know that it's working really well. I just, I just feel like I don't know. I don't want to mess with something that's working. So I really, really love that. There's a lot of different ways that you can approach a positioning statement, USP, kind of all of those like marketing copy pieces. This is actually part of what differentiates my higher brand package from my lower brand package is that I do a lot of that messaging work for my clients. Um, You can always partner with a copywriter if that's not your area of expertise, if you want to offer that to your clients, but I just love writing taglines and then getting to design with them. So I worked on content calendar development with her as well. For the very first time, I actually created a Notion database uh, plan for what I was going to post and when I was going to post it. And I developed a cadence that worked really well for me based off of what day of the week it was. Now I have Lauren helping me out with that. And it's a little bit more flexible. Things don't go up every, like consistently every single, well, they do go up consistently, but it's not the same day of the week every single time. A little bit more fluid, but typically I post one blog post every two weeks on a Monday. And then there's a corresponding Instagram carousel. I do um, podcast um, content on Tuesdays because you guys know podcasts, new podcasts every Tuesday. And then Wednesday, typically we do like a work reel or like a portfolio piece. 
Thursday. Maybe I'll do like a fun reel or maybe I just won't post anything that day. Just go on stories. And then Friday, every other Friday, I do a five things Friday feed post. So just a picture of me. It might not get a lot of traffic, but I think it's really fun to just write the first five random things that pop into my head. I could actually probably put that on my blog too and just like kind of repurpose that, which I should probably start doing. Um, And then every other Friday, I do my diary of a creative um, newsletter. It's not really a newsletter. It's more like a diary entry because, you know, diary of a creative. If you guys are not on that email list, it is relevant for anyone who's a creative service provider. Um, You guys are all creative service providers um, and my clients are also all creative service providers. So I just really wanted kind of like a content piece that was going to be relevant for both clientele and for designers. So you can go sign up for that on my website, hellojunecreative.co. And if you scroll down to the bottom, you might hit the pop-up before you get there, but there's a little CTA in the footer um, where you can go sign up for that. I also started outsourcing a lot of social media work to Lauren and Ash helped me with um, what that process looked like for my studio. She actually recommended that I hire Emma Fabros. Um, you can find her on Instagram at it's, I-T-S, Emma Fabros, F-A-B-R-O-S. She is my engagement specialist. Um, and my investment in Emma has truly made organic friend turn client connections turn into paid customers. I have seen one of the biggest returns on my investment with her in generating new interest in my business from social media. Um, and I talk a lot about our approach to kind of like friends first engagement, which is what I call it. I don't know if there's like another word for it. Um, probably like organic, um, relationship marketing is like the official term, but I talk about that in month three of the mini mind curriculum where we go into exactly what Emma does, who she reaches out to, She's basically engaging with people on my behalf in a really organic way, just so that I don't feel like I have to be on Instagram 24-7. So that has been so amazing. Um, Many, many of my current clients have been people she organically connected with on Instagram. And I truly believe that working with her has been one of the reasons why my leads have switched over from referrals being number one to cold Instagram um, traffic being number one in terms of my leads. So if you're interested in working with her, go ahead and shoot her a DM. Um, Her Instagram right now is for another one of her businesses and projects, Um, but she does engagement services for select clientele and she loves working with brand designers. So I highly recommend that you reach out to her. If you don't want to work with an engagement specialist, you can definitely run a targeted engagement strategy on your own. Um, I have a lead list that I actually started using before I hired Emma, where I just kind of write down people's handles, what their name is, notes about them, um, and what we've talked about on Instagram. And I truly just make friends with people. And typically when they're ready, they will bring up wanting to work together. Um, It's not pushy at all um, because I don't know, I just don't vibe with that. And I also heavily engage with new followers who are in my ideal clientele. That's when I will bring up, hey, you know, I saw you followed. I'm just curious if you are looking to work on branding together this year, anything like that. Um, So it's definitely something that you don't have to outsource. You can do it on your own if you want to keep costs low. We also worked on my sales process 
in handling objections, hesitations, um, and just like overall like organic connection strategy on social media and the development and the launch plan for the mini mind. The mini mind was born alongside my engagement with Ash. And I'm so grateful to have had her by my side during that launch because I honestly probably would have quit because launching is no joke. I know you hear everyone talk about launches. If any of you guys have done a launch before, you know that it is like full full contact, like really intense. You're just talking to so many people. You're getting rejected so much and it just like really takes it on your confidence. The people in the program now though, like I'm so glad I stuck with it because not only was the program a success, it sold out. I was actually having to turn people away um, once, you know, kind of near to the end of the, uh, the, the, the two week launch, I believe it was two weeks. Um, but like if I had just quit, then none of those people would have been able to level up and like make the money that they're making right now um, because of their time in the program. So I am just so, so grateful for her being um, by my side. Um, Quick little plug for the mini mind. I am going to be doing a second cohort that's going to be starting January. um, I'm not sure exactly what date, but early January, probably second week of January of 2024. Doors for that are going to be opening in November of this year. I'm not sure how many spots I'm going to make available. Last year was eight spots. It's a very, very, very small group program because there's a really nice one-to-one element. I'll probably record like a whole episode about that in the future. But um, if anyone relates to me as and would want me to be their mentor and relates to my lifestyle and my values and would love to like learn more from me beyond just the podcast, then it would be a fantastic opportunity. Um, the program, like I mentioned, it sold out last year. I only run one of them every single year. So um, just because the vast majority of my income does still come from one-to-one design services, which is really, really important to me as a mentor. I'm in the trenches with you guys, um, working a lot, like on client projects, um, getting rejected just like you guys. So I, I'm just really, really excited for the second cohort, um, the first went so amazingly well, and I can't believe it's going to be ending in the end of June, which is just so crazy. I'm going to like miss everyone so much. Um, I think a couple of people might potentially be working with me um, one-to-one after the program ends, which is just the greatest compliment ever as a mentor. So if you guys are curious about that, there is going to be a link in the episode description where you can get on the email list for when the doors open. There is going to be a pre-launch enrollment period that is only for my close friends and for people who are on my email list. And like I said, the spots are first come first serve. So um, depending on how many spots sell out, um, I might lengthen or shorten my actual launch period. So anyways, lots of details there, but I would love if anyone is curious to shoot me a DM. Um, I need to update my sales page (laughs) about it, but that will be getting updated really soon. I'll let you guys know when that's ready. So moving on to what I did on my own outside of my engagement with Ash. So I created a template library for my social media content and I ran my content calendar completely on my own for a few months before I handed it over to Lauren. I really wanted to make sure that I understood what that cadence looked like. And one of the questions that I get often from the students in my mini mind program is how, like, when do you make the content? And I, guys, I've experimented with every single setup. I experimented with like doing one Saturday a month where I bulk created all my content 
hated that, did not like giving up a Saturday, did not like having to have someone watch writer for me while I sat and made Instagram content like in my office, was not about that life. I also hate creating content the same day that it's posted. I feel pressure. I feel like it's not that great. I feel like I'm just creating it just to hit a deadline rather than actually making the content really good. So what has worked well for me, um, especially before I started having Lauren take over some more of the content creation and planning was I would set two due dates for each post. I would set a due date for me to create it. And then I would set a due date for it to be posted and I would schedule it once I created it. So I wouldn't have to like go in twice and then like create it and then like post it. Um, typically I did about like a minimum of two days in advance, if not a full week in advance of creating content for next week, that actually has worked out really well. So I just kind of did a little bit of it every day. The key is having a deadline for creation, which I feel like a lot of designers don't necessarily do. They just put like what day they want it to be posted. And then it always gets pushed to the bottom of your priority list because client work, obviously like most of the time should take priority. Um, So that's worked really well for me. But I do know some people who love doing the like single day, like bulk creating or like creating in the moment too. Like that's absolutely okay. That's just kind of like what worked well for me. I also started to get a lot more comfortable on video. Um, I made some talking head reels. I need to get back into that because it was just so fun. Um, I feel like once I have my house and like a cute background, I know I shouldn't like let that hold me back, but I really am going to be getting more into video when that is done. Um, And just overall, I started allowing myself to have more fun creating content. So I did it more often. I, one of my biggest philosophy, like quotes or just philosophies as a business owner is if it's not fun, it won't get done. And I just know that about myself. Like if, if I'm not having fun doing something, it's going to go to the bottom of my list and it just like won't ever happen. Um, and even before I started my mini mind program talking with my one-to-one designer mentees, they were all struggling with like social media, not feeling fun, feeling draining, like dreading it. And like, we usually work together on ways that they can make it fun for them. And maybe that means like not making video content or reels. Like maybe that just means like doing like IGTVs or like doing like a fun Instagram story series, like having themes for your content just makes it so much easier. You can just repeat that theme over and over again. Like I said, I have a series for my email newsletter. I have the five things Friday post. I do a work reel once a week podcast stuff. And then like the blog post is where I can get a little bit more like kind of flexible with the topic. But yeah, I just started like letting myself have fun with things. And that actually like really helped me stick with it. I talked about my lead list database database in Notion, um, and I performed really consistent targeted engagement with Idealates before I brought Emma on, and then I created and posted all of the content for the Mini Mind launch. I did the whole launch on my own, of course, like alongside Ash's moral support, but all of the bulk of the work, like the actual work was done by me um, and not even by anyone on my team. So sales conversation and DMs, lead list for the launch that I can go back to. Um, and I'm just glad that I handled that kind of on my own. So I really fully understood what that experience was like so that I can mentor from that perspective, but also so I know how I want things to be, how I want things to go for the second round, second launch. Here are some things that I did on my own that impacted my project cadence and allowed me to start booking clients out farther in my calendar. One of the things that 
I was telling myself, and this is a story that I made up in my head, obviously, because it was not true, was that clients are not going to want to wait to work with you. And this is specific to my studio and my clientele in this season of my life. You guys might have the opposite experience. You might be getting rejected because you don't have availability for people wanting to start right away. I feel like just in the way that I market myself and I talk about like my values of simplicity, slow living, um, just wanting things to be fun. Um, I feel like a lot of the clients that reach out to me say that they've been wanting to get their branding and their website done for like years, but just like haven't had the time to do it. And so they don't mind waiting to start. And I just really got over that fear. And once I had those experiences of the like feast cycles where I was like burning myself out and like just working on too many projects at a time, I just truly realized that I did not have the availability to start clients right away, even a couple weeks out. And so I started kind of like giving people start dates on discovery calls that were months out. Um, and like everything in client communication, I always present it in a way that is beneficial to the client. So I typically say that starting a few months out gives them time to book and shoot new photos, get their portfolio photos organized. I'm um, just because I work with a lot of interior designers and people with portfolios get their testimonials and their FAQs organized, take their time with their questionnaires. It's a really big one. Get familiar with their client portal so that they're not like kind of rushing to like gather all of their assets basically. So like I said, most clients have been a-okay with this um, because they're not in a huge rush, but it is going to depend on your specific client pool and their goals. Booking farther out like this has been what has allowed my income to be at the consistent place that it is because I collect deposits on a monthly basis or I took, I collect payments on a monthly basis. So, um, my deposit is typically due at the time of proposal signing to lock that client's spot in my calendar. And then I do billing on the first of every month from deposit up until the project is completed. So if it's a four month project, then it will be four payments. If it's three months, three payments, two months, two payments, and so on and so forth. Um, if the client is booking out more than a month, then their second payment actually does not happen until the project starts unless they've requested an extended payment plan and they want to be paying a smaller amount every single month. Um, so that, that payment cadence, like it sounds like simple, but I don't know why I didn't do that before. Um, I used to every single project be 25% down and then I would just bill based off of the like, I don't know. I'm billing based off of the timeline now, but I would bill based off of the like project milestones, which I don't recommend because then if the project gets pushed back, you don't get paid. Um, I use HoneyBook and I do request that all my clients check the automatic payments box. So I actually don't really struggle with clients not paying on time anymore, which is definitely a big struggle that people have in the design world. Um, so yeah, that, that payment cadence has been awesome because I will always have payments coming through regardless of how many projects I've booked. Yes, booking more projects in a certain month, like actually converting the project, whether or not they start that month, does mean that I'm collecting more deposits. So the months that I have higher revenue months just means that like it's a busier month for inquiries and deposits. Um, but on the slower months, even when I'm going to be completely out of office from July 1st to July 31st, my 
um, annual summer sabbatical, which I am so excited about. I'm still going to have payments going through that month because I'm still going to be taking discovery calls. I'll still be booking new clients. That's the only thing that I'm going to really be doing during that month. Um, and I have one project that is in development that I'm going to be working like with my developer on, but it's going to be pretty much you know, in the like QA phase by that point. So it won't really be like a ton of like heavy lifting. So another thing that I did um, to help my studio book out is that I do not post on social media what my availability looks like. Um, I know that this can be contentious because yes, it is good to show that you're in demand as a studio. It's not a bad thing to be booked out. I think that it definitely helps with your positioning. It shows that you're in demand. But I just really didn't want to turn off new leads that wanted to start right away without having a conversation with them first, even just for my own knowledge that they were going to go another direction because it was a deal breaker that they couldn't start sooner. Up until this point, I've only had one person so far not book a call due to timeline that I know of. Um, But I feel like at the point where I'm turning away work because I just don't have the availability, that's where I'm going to just kind of like up Lauren's responsibility and be able to have her handle some projects so that I'm not missing out on that lost revenue. Um, I know there are many designers who choose to, you know, just refer clients out when they get booked up because they don't want to have a team. They just want to keep it super small. I totally respect that. So that's another, um, another way that you can kind of approach things. But, um, I don't say like now booking for October, 2023 or anything like that. Um, and my, profile because I just never, I want to know who would be interested otherwise. It's just like kind of like a research thing for me. Um, I do, however, sometimes put it in my automated inquiry response. Um, I say the quarter in which I have availability for new project start dates, but not launch dates. So I'll say, you know, my availability for new projects begins in Q3. And that's just like, you know, it's more vague, but it also like helps if it's a complete deal breaker that the client can't start tomorrow. It just like helps protect both of our time. So that's definitely something that I recommend if you're, if you're interested in kind of using that approach. I also set a rule for myself that I only wanted to work with three to four active client projects at a time. Um, and I priced my services accordingly to bring in the type of revenue that I wanted. And then I held firm to those prices on my sales calls. I definitely do not convert everyone. And the number one reason that people do not work with me is pricing. Um, But that's a good thing because if I was converting everyone, I would be so overwhelmed and overworked that like I would be miserable. Um, and, And also like I can make the same amount of money if I just charge more per client. Um, And I know that people are willing to pay because I've seen it for, you know, the past, like, I feel like my pricing has been pretty consistent over the past two years. Yes. I like shift and change things and yes, you know, inflation and the economy and all that type of stuff. But, um, I've been proven to like my past clients have proven to me time and time again, that my pricing is a good fit within the market that they're looking at. Like I had a lead the other day, say that she had been talking to some other designers and some agencies and that my pricing actually landed right in the middle of the proposals that she had received. And that's like music to my ears. I want to be not the most expensive option, but also not the like cheapest option Um, because I've talked about this before on the podcast, but I consider the boutique studio space that I'm a part of, probably many of you guys are a part of, 
a step above freelancer and a step below agency, not in terms of value, not in terms of ROI, not in terms of designability or talent, but just like kind of capability as a business. I feel like I have more capability than just a freelancer because my studio can bring on subcontractors and I can have like more of a robust um, client experience for people. But also I I am very straightforward with my clients that I am not an agency. I now I have one part-time employee, but and a couple subcontractors that work for me, but it's not a team of like 15 people with like brand strategists and like market researchers and you know all those things. And so I'll tell people like if that is what you need, then I'm not the right fit for that and I think you should definitely work with an agency. But also my clients don't have agency budgets. They don't have the budgets. They don't have the budgets to go and, you know, drop like 50k plus on a project um and I don't want to be in those price ranges right now at least maybe when my team is larger maybe hello june will become an agency one day but just not for right now so that was like a really long list of kind of my journey in taking control of my marketing on instagram specifically and what I did to help my studio book clients out farther in advance One thing that I am struggling with now is that now that I have Lauren's help, what does that mean for my project cadence? How many more projects will it make sense for me to bring on now that I have her support that I wouldn't have been able to before? And that's not a question that I can actually answer right now. I have to experiment with it and see how it feels. And that's my recommendation to anyone who's like, how many projects should I work on at a time? Try one and then try two. And if you have the bandwidth, try three. And then you'll feel, based off of the number of hours that you want to be working every day, it's important to be honest with yourself about how many hours you actually want to be working. Otherwise, I don't know, if you're like me, you'll just sit, well, pre-baby, <laughs> you'll just sit and work for like 14 hours without like getting up. <laughs> I'm definitely that type of person where I get tunnel vision and it'll be like 10 p.m. before I realize it. Um, just understand and test and kind of figure out what that cadence looks like for you and how that feels. Like four clients to me might sound crazy to you, but like one client to you might seem like way too little, but it might be a lot for someone else. So it really, really depends on your unique situation, what you want for your business, what else you have going on in your life, what season of life you're in, motherhood, not a mom. Um, I have a mini minder in my program who is um, training for the Olympics. Um, and so she is, she has that part of her life that takes up a lot of her time and she has her business in support of that, which I think is amazing. Um, so like I said, it depends. Um, but it's just, it's something that you kind of have to experiment with and see like what works best for you and evaluate. Like, like after that crazy season, that like um, Q4 where I was working on so many projects, I was like, I never want to do that again. Like I need to get serious about like being strategic about my start dates and being specific with people. I actually just started a Notion um, database, um, which is a resource. All of my Notion templates and databases are resources in the MiniMind program. Um, there's like hundreds of just like little resources that people can go. It's just like a whole library of stuff that people can go and like pull from and um, steal my business basically. I just created a 
Project Cadence calendar using the like inline database function in Notion where I create a calendar and then I literally put the like start and end date for every single project. I also put my proposed projects in there as well. So, you know, it's not actually held until I receive the deposit, but it actually shows me what I'm quoting. If a client like, 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 for example, a couple weeks ago, I had like three, I had four discovery calls and one booked right away, one rejected me and I'm still waiting on two. And I'm just kind of giving them a little bit of a longer like proposal time. I told them that I was going to put down a potential start date for them. But if other people put their deposits down first, then I would have to reevaluate that start date. Um, and that's kind of like how I've handled multiple people looking at the same start date. It's really whoever puts their deposit down first gets their start date. And then I will have to just like push the other proposal that's currently out to like a later start date. And I'll typically like ask them, is this a deal breaker for you if you have to wait? And I've never had anyone say it's a deal breaker before, but I don't know. I'm sure that's happened to other people and or it might happen to me. But um, then I have to make a decision about if I want to be overworked or if I want to hire, you know, someone else to subcontract and come onto the project and help support or up Lauren's hours or anything like that, or just let them go and refer them to someone else. So yeah, I am going to move into our inbox question. Libby Miner asks, I'd love to hear more about how other designers go about researching new industries or niches. I've mostly worked, I've mostly worked on referrals and on topics I was already familiar with, and I'm working on branching out. Libby, I love this question. Um, I know I say that for every question, but I'm just so appreciative that you guys are even asking us questions. You guys also know that you can always email me or DM me at Better Podcast with an inbox question. I might read it on air. Um, so researching new industries or niches, this is actually like, this is something that's really good. I think a lot of people, you know, like you're saying, worked on referrals, topics you're already familiar with. If you are like, like, let's say I currently work with interior designers and artists, like let's say I started, I wanted to start working in the wellness industry. The first thing I would do is reach out to people that I know that are in the wellness industry and just do like informational interviews, like research interviews with them, like maybe a 30 minute coffee chat, maybe get them like a $10 Starbucks gift card in exchange for their time and just ask them about their industry. I think I talked a little bit about this in the episode about leveraging your value and expertise in pricing. Research is everything, and I, I found that the best way to, to conduct research within like my specific niche niche is to talk to my leads and talk to my potential clients, talk to my current clients. Um, and so if you're like looking to break into a new industry, go and talk to people that are literally in that industry that can actually shed light on what the pain points and problems are um, and that people struggle with. Um, bonus points if it's a coach for, for other people in that industry because they're really going to understand what the pain points and challenges are for people who are running businesses within that industry. Um, You can also go and look at other people's content. So let's say you find like a wellness professional that you're obsessed with, you would love to work with them. They totally fit the bill for your ideal client. Go sign up for their email list. Make sure, follow them and turn on notifications for their social media channels. Go and like read their blog and just take note of the words and phrases that they're using. Take note of what they, what problem they solve for their clientele. Go to a coach of someone who helps people within that industry and read their content, sign up for their email list. Um, it's kind of like a secondary thing to performing or conducting an interview with that person is to just go read their content. Um, I feel like that's a really, really good way to do research. Um, of course, you can just kind of Google it. You can go look on social media randomly, but I feel like being more strategic with it um, and then also writing everything down. 
you know, I'm going to say make a Notion inline database because that's what I do for everything to keep everything nice and organized. Um, all of your, your interview information, all of your notes, um, all of your content review, words that they use, problems that they have, and then start creating content specific to those challenges and problems. That is probably my best advice on kind of like shifting into a new industry or wanting to market to a new industry that you don't have a lot of experience with. So thank you guys so much for listening today. I just love my like little closet time with you guys <laughs> in between all my dresses and my husband's hoodies and all that type of stuff. Um, go ahead and hit the five stars. If you're on Spotify, you don't even have to write anything. It really helps the podcast out. Go ahead and give us a follow on Instagram at Better Podcast. Hop into our free Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash Better Brand Designer. Hope to see you in there. Hope to chat with you. And then also shoot me a DM on Instagram at Hello June Creative so that you can get on my close friends list. I would love to have you. And I receive DMs from you guys every single week and it always makes my day. I hope you guys have a fantastic week and I will see you in the next episode. Bye everyone. We hope you enjoyed today's conversation. Subscribe wherever you're listening to make sure you don't miss an episode. And we'd be forever grateful if you left us a review on Apple Podcasts. We bet you've got designer friends who'd enjoy it too, so share it with them. If you'd like to submit an inbox question for us to answer on air, or you want to get in contact with us directly, email us at inbox at betterbranddesigner.com. Our Facebook community is one of the most positive, supportive, and fun groups we've ever been a part of. We'd love for you to join us. Search for Better the Brand Designer Podcast on Facebook. If you love these conversations between designer friends and would like to support us, you can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash betterpodcast. And visit us online at betterbranddesigner.com to learn more about our podcast and snag major discounts on our favorite resources. Special thanks to our producer, John, from Wayfair Recording Co. See you guys again next week.